For those of you who may not know, it's pros and cons time. <laughs> Mr. Smith? Hey, who's that? David Zakopakarakis. Wrong. Yeah, the bloody hell do you say that? Pros and cons. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another Pros and Cons episode. Yeah, I know you're in a good mood today, aren't you? Very, very good mood, mate. Five in a row. We uh, The lid's on, but we're going all right. I'm in a good mood too, because of those baggers. Have you seen that? Oh, the blue mate. baggers. What have you won now? Is it, what is it, he's five and two, I think, Teague yeah, is coach? Five and two, yeah. 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 I think so. Pushing for the top job. Yes, it's that's just going to be super interesting because there was a lot of rumours about big fish getting the big fish yeah. somewhere. You know, whether it was Alistair Clarkson or Rusey or someone like that. Um, exactly. Yeah, so making it, well, the um, interim coaches this year are making their their play for it. Exactly. Pretty sure they reckon's pretty close to getting that gig too. So I know. So it's uh, it's interesting, but. Big episode today. We've got two. Uh, well, one of the one of the uh, stalwart families of the, uh, the the AFL. I mean, these two that the Wallaces, the Terry and Brent Wallace, uh, covered all areas, covered all bases uh, of AFL. Player, a coach, an umpire, and a media personnel. And VFL, I guess, if you want to put throw Brent in there for a net for a second one. <laughs> exactly as yeah, well as that. So they've covered all areas. It's going to be in a great chat um, to get stuck in with them and. I think, uh, yeah, I think they've got, they'll provide plenty of stories. Just a, just a different dynamic in terms of how um, how it all goes about when, yeah, sort of one plays and coaches and the other one umpires and if they either cross cross advice, uh, give advice to each other yeah, and I can't wait, different aspects. Can't wait to talk to them. I've, I've known them for a long, long time and Terry got me a gig at uh, Richmond, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And um, Brent, I used to play bloody cricket in the front yard with him growing up. So yes, uh, I've known these connection. guys a long time. So um, I'm really excited to see him and have a chat. Perfect. But mate, let's talk about your game yesterday. Um, Just got over the line, didn't we? What a win. Thank you. I got nine tips, by the way. This yeah. So we keep our fans on our you. we keep our fans on our toes. That that's oh. that's the most important thing, isn't it? We're an exciting team to watch, I guess, because the games are close, but I'm assuming fans wouldn't want us to win games like that too often. Especially against a bottom the bottom of the barrel. Team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they played, they played good footy. Give them credit. They, they jumped us early. They got out to a great start uh, in the first quarter, and we didn't respond to their pressure or um, their contest work at all. And we come into halftime pretty disappointed in the way we were going about it, but also respecting that they were playing some good footy. So we, uh, we turned it on late. <laughs> we left the run. Well, we turned it on the third quarter and and got in front and and sort of looked like our momentum was our way, and we could really shut it shut the game down from there but again give them credit they came at us in that last quarter and it really only it really took sort of two special plays um one by hooksy i think do you reckon he deserves a wine this week i reckon you got to give him a wine don't you yeah he's <laughs> you done it now twice this year you so missed the, you missed the, the one that won you 200th yeah and, and now you have to he needs a wine now yeah surely. he's done it is twice, every so. player going to bring a wine in uh, for him this well, time well the thing is he, his parents own a winery so he gets enough wine mate well you but, know what you you shouldn't give a wine because you should have kicked a goal that probably wouldn't have needed his goal yeah. and they didn't call it a goal. No. So I don't know. That's It was interesting that one. It was, uh, during the game actually, uh, Razor, Razor Ray obviously was umpiring the game yesterday and so I didn't, I, I didn't really know. I mean, he kicked, kicked the ball, thought it went through midair and then it sort of dropped late and, and it was, yeah, in the end it was over line but I didn't know that at the time and uh, 30 seconds later you hear the crowd and, and obviously we had majority of we our supporters travel so well and we had the majority of the crowd there yesterday and you, all of a sudden you heard the groans and boos and that kind of thing so I looked up to my right and, and saw the scoreboard and it was a freeze frame of the ball over the line and 
I was fuming at that stage. Uh, yeah. If you have that emoji, you got the bloody fuming, <laughs> <laughs> the smoke coming out of the uh, the mouth and the eyes. And I uh, I went up to Razor and I said, mate, like that was clearly a goal. And he just looked at me and said, David, does it look like I'm wearing a hat? <laughs> <laughs> In typical Ray, Ray response. And uh, yeah, I sort of didn't have anything to say back to that. Because <laughs> clearly he's not wearing a hat, so he's not a goal fire. So Well, I think that, that I don't like the fact that we have this tech that in a second they could see it was over and they couldn't just go to his ear and say, that was a goal, stop play. And we'll review it properly and show it on the screen and it's a goal. And then that's fine. Like why have the – I get that there's rules – that they put in place for this to happen. But the reason is so that they don't miss stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you relate it back to soccer, they have the VAR rule. And uh, that is that if the ball goes over the line and it's contentious, whatever the play continues, and then the guy from the third umpire box or whatever the box speaks to the umpire on the ground or the referee, and the referee stops play and then awards the goal if it's a goal. So I don't know. It would be hard to do, surely. It, It wouldn't be hard just to... Just to, uh, yeah, to, to, to get on the mic to Ray uh, or any of the umpires uh, on the field and just say, no, nope, that was a goal, stop play, go back to the middle. Because in the end, you're not, you're not um, wasting any part of the game because that, that, ga- that part of the game, so the kick out or, or the play that's played on that 10 or 15 seconds is irrelevant. It doesn't exist in the game of AFL. So you take back all those stats because the actual goal was a goal. So you just quickly stop play, reset the clock back to whatever it is and then just ball the, ball, the ball up because that's the correct ruling on the ground that that goal should have counted and then the ball just goes back to the middle. So it's not like yeah, the game's going any longer or you're, you're, um, you're, yeah, you're sort of stopping the flow of the game or whatever because that part of the game shouldn't happen. It's, it's, it should just be deleted from that 15 seconds or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't like it. I think that it should have been a goal, but it made the game, I guess, a little bit closer, a bit more exciting for those yeah. who are watching who didn't uh, care as much, I guess. But uh, yeah, it would have been nice if uh, they used the tech that they've been trying to put in place. And for once it worked, like most of the, half the time it doesn't even work or they don't use it properly. And again, they didn't use it properly this time. Yeah, it's just about uh, obviously getting the, the right um, tech in and or even just, yeah, uh, the, way, the way we're going to use it. So going forward, what we're going to do, whether you can, I don't know, put Hawkeye into every stadium that the AFL has been played and you can see that. I mean, we see Snicko now, I think he's on the Yeah, but that wasn't in your – I think they, they tried to review a few of the um, goals in your game last night that they thought might have hit the post. They, don't, they didn't have Snicko at that ground, obviously, but that, that kind of annoys me too that they got tech that they use – certain grounds and certain grounds like yep. you got to you got to roll it out everywhere you got the money to do it just do it and do it properly i think i and i think that's the thing that most people are frustrated with if if you've got tech and you're going to introduce it it's either you're all in or you're all out and I, to be honest mate i wouldn't care if we're all out because yeah. then some results will go your way and some re- some results don't go your way it's just the way it's been happening since under 10 since under 12 since under 14s all that kind of thing and if you don't have that technology then fine like let's just not use it but you kind of can't really go half in, half out. It's like, all right, you're either all in, every stadium gets it, every stadium gets the same technology, same process. Like the NBA, every, every all the control centre go back to um, – there's people in a control centre, so every NBA game has the same technology. So uh, I think if you, if you do that across the whole board, uh, do it. But if you're sort of doing half and half, then why don't we just not do it until we get the technology to do it? Anyway, it's interesting to see what, what happens in the next couple of years in that, in that technology space. Uh, but that's, yeah, for us to see. Yeah, anyway, that's a goal you didn't get for your season, mate. Yeah, I know, that hurts. Frustrating. Um, well, we won't, we're not going to do pros and cons this week because we want to roll straight into Terry and Brent um, who are ready for us. Yes. Um, so, but but I'll tell you one thing. I'm just going to say it anyway because Ben Simmons is out now. I had He was my pro the other <laughs> week. Ben Simmons is out of the, of the uh, basketball, uh, not playing now. He's called it. And 
I'm I'm pissed. We've I'm got we've got a recurring theme here that our pros turn into our cons. I know, so it's twice now. It's twice. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week if uh, we roll maybe back. Maybe he's not going to come back and play, so he can't turn it no, back no. into my pro. I'm not happy. However, is he in Melbourne at the moment? I so. know. We might get him onto the show, and I might put it to him. Um, probably a little bit nicer because he's a big man. Yes. <laughs> yes. But um, let's yeah. get into our chat, mate. Let's do it. Terry and Brent, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much for having us, guys. Yeah, no, glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having us in and yeah, looking forward to having a chat. It's a good Monday to have him in, Daniel. I knew you'd be happy to have him. Today. <laughs> it's good it's for good you. Monday. Yeah, well, good. Yeah. Right. It could have been pretty bad for you. Could have been bad on a couple of fronts. It's good that we got an umpire in here too. So Could have been <laughs> real awkward. We'll get into that, <laughs> yeah, get into that was, topic uh, a bit later. I was sitting there yesterday going, okay, this could be an uh, interesting chat today. <laughs> it's an inter- interesting chat anyway, except he's happy. I'm that's happy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We've won five, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, in a row. Yes. So it's good. Doing really well. Um, so obviously, uh, I was super interested to get you guys in and have a chat because uh, obviously, AFL player, uh, umpire, AFL Hall of Famer, by the way. I haven't said congratulations to your face. I sent you a text, but I haven't sent congratulations. Congrats. Congrats. Congratulations, first of all. <laughs> I'm not an umpire, but I'm not an umpire, <laughs> coach. Coach and player. <laughs> Done and most with things. the dynamic of Brent, who's uh, an umpire, so I thought that would be interesting. Have you guys chatted much? Obviously, you have it together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to other people, uh, have, have been interested in that dynamic? Before? Uh, not really. We haven't really chatted much about it at all. I, I must say, when, when Brent went from... Uh, playing they had Box Hill to deciding to take the umpire path the first time I went to an Eastern Division under 19 game which was his first game umpiring to walk in and stand by yourself and spend the next two and a half hours watching the umpire <laughs> was the most <laughs> weird dynamic I've ever ever been involved in ever I didn't care less about either side I think it was Blackburn Mitchum or something like that you, you're sitting there just watching the umpire it was a uh, very very strange dynamic it's a different dynamic because you haven't got any fans around you to support the same time assuming you'd be there almost by yourself watching it and having no one around you so I guess the calls and all that you're sort of watching it's just by yourself you're making the decision and, and loving the game by that so it's an interesting dynamic yeah, look, and uh, what you do is basically don't get near either supporter groups. Yep. <laughs> so the furthest away you get, the less noise you get. Because what I found early it doors is that uh, from an umpiring point of view, you hear more at local and every level you go up, there's more people there and yep. it more but just comes white noise at that, yep. that, that right. stage sort of thing. But uh, you know, when you're back to the local leagues, you can hear everything that's sort of said. Yeah, that's true. Did you Could you hear him cheering you when you made a good call? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not quite. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, a funny sort of situation to get out there and actually be umpiring because probably I didn't really know what I was doing out there much either. I was sort of running around. I, th- I think at one stage the ball came towards me and I'm like, oh, I've got to get my distance. So I turned around and ran away from the football and I was like, <laughs> I should probably be watching where, the, where everyone's running from and make sure no one's being hit. So I was asking, I was going to ask that question of the, the the making that change to actually having to follow the ball both ways and always running around as opposed to doing that. So that was an issue at the start. Oh, that was the that was the biggest thing to adjust to because um, you come from a playing background where you see ball, get ball, and you you try to run in and actually go at it. Now as an umpire, you've got to get away from it so you can take in the whole contest and uh, and watch everyone in front of you. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a big adjustment to make, but uh, yeah, we got we got there in the end. We've seen it happen what once in the AFL when umpire caught the footy. That's twice over in Berkeley. Yeah, twice. twice now. So it was actually a game. Um, so the 
the main one's Peter Carey taking the yeah. mark over in Perth. In Perth, Perth but yeah. <laughs> uh, in my second AFL game ever, um, I've just adjusted from the forward line into the into the centre, and uh, Hamish Hartlett had it out on the flank, and he's uh, going to switch the ball inboard, and he's just pinned the uh, the umpire straight <laughs> on the chest, and uh, and he and he grabbed it and goes oh. And threw the ball back to Hamish <laughs> and goes, you take your kick. And then he goes, oh, actually, no, I have to ball it up because that's yeah. that's the rule and that's Dude, that's ball. what I have to do. So end up running into the middle and then laugh, laughing, running back to the to the other <laughs> area, just going, what are the odds? What, how, do, how do you find your best umpire games um, when, when you're in that? It's just such a different dynamic going from playing to – um, to uh, sorry, to playing to umpiring, and then yeah, how do you best find? Do you, do you watch a lot of vision during the week to review your game? Obviously, you do it, but are you one that really watches it by yourself, then away from your external um, umpiring when you all get together and that kind of thing? Well, yeah. How do you best go about it? Yeah, so I watch every game back, yep. um, and yeah, start to finish, um, and you go through the the game probably similar to um, what you do as a player, but um, as a player, I suppose you're looking for your moments that you're in, and um, as an umpire, you sort of got to stay in the game the whole time. So, um, making sure that you're watching the whole game back and having, okay, I'm, I'm at this angle and, and looking in. So we review every decision that we make and we, that we don't make as well, um, and then watch it back, and then we send in a review to our coaches and then go through the footage at um, training as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long process, but um, I think the games that we sort of aren't noticed too much are the ones that oh, I think, yep, we've done a we've done a pretty good job. And Terry, for you as a parent and a coach in your life, obviously of Brent, do you get involved at all and, and give some advice, whether it be a father or as a, a coach or umpire like player that, that's played the game, coached the game, going, mate, maybe you might do these decisions or that kind of thing. Do you get involved at all? Well there's one other dynamic as well is when I'm commentating the games that he's umpiring. Exactly. Because yes. <laughs> the other commentators are really sort of looking for you what do you think? <laughs> it gets pretty uh, tricky, pretty interesting at times. Um, we have a chat most games. I, I try to watch, um, if I'm not working myself on another game, uh, at the same time I try to watch it live as much as I possibly can um, so that I can give my fe- feedback. But uh, he gets his own feedback anyway. But, uh, yeah, we normally just have a bit of a chat and it, most things went all right or have a look at this one in the second quarter. Um, I think... Just the same as parents would yep. with uh, with players doing exactly the same sort of thing, but he's got to live his own life. I'm not I'm not a real strong one for for parent I- input. Having mm. coached, yeah, I've seen parents that sort of <laughs> overstep the mark at times. So uh, for me, let him do his thing and just sit sit in the background. Really, you say that, Terry, but I'm not surprised that Brent is an umpire because <laughs> uh, it's. I think I feel like it's in your the bloodline. Um, we we obviously grew up living in the same street and yep. we used to play sport all the time and Terry was always the adjudicator <laughs> of anything that we would do. We used to play Olympics where we'd have yep. all the different yep. – and you would always set the rules and judge the judge it. <laughs> we also had uh, – if you hit it onto your balcony, it was – it was six, but it was also – it was a dollar value, wasn't there, yeah, associated? Yeah, I think it was a 50 or 100. <laughs> no, nah, I think we had $100 for – Which was no good for me because I was a left-hander, so I was going on the offside <laughs> trying, to, trying to get it but across But I don't there, think anyone got that, by the way. Yeah. Or, or they claimed they did, but no one's – Well, yeah, that's why yeah. I said it at 100 because yeah. I knew no one was going to get <laughs> it up there. So. Yeah, fairly safe. But uh, look, as I sort of said, uh, you've got to have somebody – uh, that's Switzerland, and that was my role, yep. sort of in the local in the local area. So, uh, look, 
when he, it was interesting when he decided to, to change. Um, I must say that I thought it was the right decision because at that sort of stage he'd had a few major injuries and I just sort of thought it was going to be difficult having missed the draft, having missed the rookie opportunity. We're seeing more players now coming through the VFL. It's changed a little bit, but back then it wasn't mm. really you – know, the openings weren't there. So do you go back to local level and c- continue to play and you know, play at a high level at local level where you're putting your body on the line for you know, a few bucks a week but um, you're doing it more for the love of the game but you're still getting knocked around after already you – know, tearing the peck off the mm. bone and doing a few of those sort of things or do you stay at the elite level where uh, you, know, you get a good opportunity to get an earn out of the game but everything's at high end you know elite learnings and and you know, doing things at the highest possible level of the of the game I thought it, to me it was a no-brainer but it wasn't my decision you know I just had to sit back and uh, and stay completely out of it and, and sort of let Brent make his own calls. And we had a couple of conversations. I sent Brent to speak to a couple of people in football that sort of I respected in different levels, like management and that sort of stuff. Just go and have a coffee with them, have a chat about what you can do and what you can't do and let him make his own call on it. Well, talk us through that. How What, what was the process like? Because, yeah, we played junior footy together. Um, yeah. You were Northern Knights, um, played through the ranks and then – yeah, talk us through your decision to end up crossing over and becoming an umpire, which you probably yelled at a lot yeah. in your career, as everyone does. But yeah, yeah. talk us through it. I don't, I don't know whether to call you Skip today or, or, <laughs> or, or what I should be calling you. But um, yeah, so uh, coming through that process, obviously played to to twenty, so played um, under 18s with yourself at, at Northern Knights, and then uh, went across to Box Hill um, and spent two years there, sort of trying trying my ways there and. Um, I only got it, managed to get a couple of games with a strong Hawthorne connection there. There was um, it was hard to sort of get a consistent place, um, especially as a sort of small, more so outside than than inside player. So um, yeah, it was it was a tough couple of years. Um, as sort of Dad said before, I um, had a couple of issues when I was playing senior footy. So the first year I had glandular fever. I lost ten kilo, which I couldn't really afford to lose um, and then sort of went across to um, just for a family holiday to Bali um, and got uh, the start of the cholera virus over there so put the 10 kilo back on and then lost the 10 kilo again so sort of to lose 20 kilo within a year obviously two two sets of 10s um, and then the next year came back and um, was actually coming in for my first senior game for the year but um, we had a buy so I said, I'll, I want to make sure I go back to uh, to old Kerry that I was playing at the time and, and get a good game and sort of feel confident going into the first senior game. And I um, tore the peck off the bone. Uh, so just like a run of things where just nothing goes your way. And um, I still planned on coming back to uh, sort of playing footy the next year. Um, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be sort of local or Box Hill and decided Box Hill. Um, and then watched Jordan Bannister actually do his first game as a, as a player um, in the NAB and, and decided to sort of come across to it from there. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, a long journey. And then to sort of um, – I went to a couple of games with the umpiring people. Um, I went and caught up with a few people, recruiters and, and management, and um, spoke about different pathways of um, if I was going to continue playing or if I was going to sort of go to umpiring and where my skill set sort of um, lied and the career opportunities it would give. So um, at the end of that, I thought – 
I'll give it a go at 20 years of age. I'll give umpiring a go. And if it's not what I want in my first year, then I know I can always come back and at least play sort of good local footy. Just on that, did you speak to Jordan um, Bannister or, or Lee Fisher and ask them for any advice? And if so, what did they give you uh, on being able to have that transition? Yeah, so I spoke to um, st- spoke to Banner a couple of times um, and he was really good with me. So um, sort of met up with him the first session in with the AFL. He came to my first ever meeting and um, – yeah, we had a, had a bit of a discussion with the whole umpiring group and, and Bano. Um, but then Bano just grabbed us afterwards and said, look, if I was you, mate, and you, you got this opportunity, um, I'd go for it. And then there was actually some other umpires that I discussed that said, don't rush into, like, if you're still interested in playing your footy, take your time and, and follow that pathway because this might be here in a few years' time. So um, for me, it was, it was simply a, a challenge and something to have a go at and an opportunity that I thought... Um, would be really cool to to have a crack at. That's um. Where, what, did you find that the transition from uh, being a player to then having to just run? Uh, you were already a pretty good runner as a kid, from what I remember. Um, but did you find there was a step up in in the amount of running? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I used to um, be at the front of most AFL of sort of um, my teams running groups um i was always in that that first couple and and would go pretty well and um i was probably sort of mid middle of the uh of of the pack and um that definitely surprised me because i thought i was always a a pretty a pretty strong runner i'd I'd spent some time actually when dad was at richmond doing some time trials and stuff with them and 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 going pretty pretty well in those winning Um, the time trials was he i gotta say when he uh when he probably 15 or 16 the boys uh, did a tan run yep. and they're all having a little bit of a laugh beforehand anyone who doesn't beat the coaches some won't get a game <laughs> three of them beat him <laughs> so we weren't going to feel a great we weren't going to feel a great side that day yeah, so. it, may, it may have been jack Rowe very well going going with that and uh, <laughs> I, I think i passed him pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great um so you've now made the decision to, to umpire. Do the yep. umpire have a – is it an AFL like rookie list and senior list with the umpires? Yeah, so th- so we've got our um, rookie list where there's sort of two based out of uh, most states yep. and then um, our senior list of 34 now. Yep, so, okay. So yeah. fast track through that. You've made that. Then you're coming up to your first game. Terry, did you watch his first game? What was your first game before you get into that? What? Yeah, so I had seen Kilda Melbourne yep. um, at Marvel. So, yeah, had to wait till I think it was round 11. In um, 2015? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah so um, it, was a, it was a long wait to sort of uh, get that opportunity. I was the last of the, the new group coming through, but... Um, yeah, just at the end of the buy rounds, and uh, now with, and with the most yeah. nervous moment, <laughs> the opening bounce. Did you have the bounce? So I had the bounce. Yeah, straight so in. So the the opening Love bounce, that. you yeah. just sit there and hold your breath and just go, please get it up straight. And then <laughs> the rest of the game will look after itself. But if you if you stuff the first bounce yeah. <laughs> of your first game, that's a disaster. That's brilliant. So, yeah, Throwing him into the deep end yeah. early. Yeah, well, it was it was funny as well because um. So we'd had a bit of a discussion about it all week and um, a couple of the other new guys had come in earlier in the year and hadn't had the first bounce and recalled theirs. Um, so I thought <laughs> stuff it I'll, I'll jump straight into it But my sister was getting into me all week Just going Oh don't recall it Make sure you don't <laughs> stuff it up And then she was probably more nervous than anyone Because she was like Oh my god what's going on Because uh, at, at the St Kilda home games They have this like heartbeat um, yep. sound before the game and I didn't know if it was my own <laughs> or, or, or if it was actually from the stadium So um, 
yeah, I hadn't been nervous all week. Uh, oh, not too nervous anyway, nothing out of control, but um, yeah, waiting for that first bounce and um, St Kilda were laid out onto the ground. So <laughs> we were supposed to go on the start siren. The, the um, clock had sort of gone down to zero and they still weren't in position. I was like, oh, uh, what do we do here? Need but authority early. Yeah, just really get um, into then it. I was like, oh, well, you're on my time now. Let's, get, let's go. <laughs> what, what's worse, uh, messing that bouncer or... Dave getting angry at you because you missed the, the goal line uh, call. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think would be worse? Well, I'm not a goal umpire, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll so I'll take uh, for for me. It's it's probably worse to get that bounce stuff. Just though. on it. Now, umpires always are quick to deflect. That's what happened last night. So Ray, <laughs> I went up to Ray and I go, mate, how can you call that? Uh, play on it and he goes just look like i'm wearing a hat and I said, well, okay you're clearly easy to deflect there well, yeah, ray's taught me well yeah haven't you asked for an apology from the umpires Was oh, something like i didn't ask i said we'll probably get one have you uh, uh i've been in the club this morning so we'll gonna wait call, and see yeah call gill after this I yeah know. i'll call gill was up there so oh yeah i saw yeah. him in the crowd i don't think he liked it what about gill in the crowd there's one minute to go there's less than a kick in it and Gil looked like she was going to sleep. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't really look that engaged. No. I think he was just hoping that they'd get an extra couple so that that one goal that they missed wasn't going to be a problem. <laughs> they would have loved the goal coach being us. But anyway. Um, so just on that, so debut game, normally what happens in the rooms, you present your jumper, your parents are there, whatever. Do you present him the uh, the green top or whatever in the umpire rooms before no, the game? No, we were invited down, which yep. uh, a game was a bit strange. I mean, sort of been everywhere normally around you know, footy, so... Obviously, in coaching, in playing, yep. um, up in the corporates, up in the media areas, the only place that I'd never been is down with the umpires. So uh, <laughs> it was a, just a different environment again. I think anyone that goes into the rooms um, always sort of finds it a bit different um, going into an AFL room uh, with the players and just their dynamic. It was very much you, you felt like you were out of place. Yep. Uh, very inviting, but... You still, you know, that's their domain. So, no, it was it was interesting, but it was good because it's another part of the journey. I mean, you watch um, as your parents would have. You watch your kid playing from under tens and going through it, and then he made the change or the flip over to from playing to umpiring, and then to get that first moment at the absolute elite level. You know, it's it's another step, another tick off sort of thing. So, yep. uh, yeah, it was it was a good day. Uh, now, just on umpiring and obviously playing, all you have to do is play and worry about that and you might do little sort of ventures like this and we'd, I'm doing a podcast, that kind of thing. But for you as an umpire, you still have to – have you got a job during the week? And just talk us through that. What, what do you do week-to-week basis? How yeah. much time do you spend on umpiring uh, during the week? And obviously weekends are taken up. Yeah, so I'm a, uh, a PE and health teacher as well. Um, so I've been working that job sort of alongside my umpiring for three years um, now. So – um, out at Templestowe College, sort of the, the old stomping grounds uh, out there. But, uh, yeah, so so I work three days a week um, and previous years have been four days a week um, there. So my sort of Monday through to, through to sort of Wednesday, Thursday, I'll, I'll work there and then um, I'll spend those sort of last two days sort of fine-tuning into the weekend. And then if we have to travel because um, we umpire across the, yep. the country as well, um, then uh, yeah, leave the Friday open so we can um, travel and do that. But uh, yeah, Tuesday, Thursday nights we train as a group, um, and then on sort of most other days you're you're doing something. So whether it's um, jumping on the exercise bike or going for a swim, um, we've got a pretty good sort of program associated with that. But um, 
Yeah, so we got yeah Tuesday, Thursday nights are our, our big ones, and we're usually in there from sort of four thirty through to eight thirty. So it's a it's a long sort of night. The one thing that I've been fascinated with the conversation around these guys is everyone else is full time. They they need to go full time. What would they do? I mean, how would they actually <laughs> how would they actually fill in the hours? I mean, mm. how much video? Can you, you, know, can you, you, watch, you imagine yeah. you imagine yourself how much video can you watch in a week yeah. and is there any guarantee that by watching more video that when you're 16 k's into your game and there's 60,000 people and you're going to make that split decision is the watching the videos going to make any mm. difference to that call and the difference that I sort of see is if they had a, a team that they could actually get out and train in real time. And so there was a group of 40 players that were available to them. It might be some value to be out there yeah. more often, but you've got a, a team that you can work on structures and, and things. They they can't actually work on their trade during the no. week. So I, I can't for the life of me figure out what – they would, how they would improve by going full-time. And even on that, like, we don't even spend full-time at the club. Like, today's off, Thursday's off for us, Friday's a half day. So you're spending two and a half full days out of five at the club. And we have, yeah, players that have to go through meetings, weights, training, all that kind of thing. So you're right on that point. I mean, maybe it changes to you guys come to every session across all, all 10, say, Victorian clubs, and maybe you do cover the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and umpire every session, but it's still probably do not the, enough. Do the clubs want them there? I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think pre-season they do. Yeah, we want them pre-season every session. Yeah, yeah every but do, session. They, do they actually want them there or are they getting in the way in season? I think just if they're there for the training sessions, I would love it because we, we love it that they're there during pre-season because then we can ask them about the rules that might be in place or um, the interpretations of contests and all that kind of thing. And if you're in there from a Monday to Friday kind of at every training session, so that's probably three during the week, yep. then you're just getting the updated from that week what they're, what they're really focusing on or what's happened or what any anything like that that we I reckon we'd love it um, there because we do encourage it over pre-season. Yeah. You did um – you, you would have seen it in in the Richmond rooms, uh, Bulldogs rooms when when you were a kid growing up. The dynamic you mentioned before, did you take a while to get used to that as well? Because you would have been in the rooms, uh, especially you know as a young teenager and going into your adult life as well um, in the in the Richmond rooms in particular. Did you notice that a lot? Um, yeah, I suppose it's uh, it's a different dynamic where footy clubs you have the music pumping and everyone's wanted to sort of rev themselves up getting ready to uh to go not maybe not everyone in the rooms but um you definitely got that sort of up tempo um sort of ready to go whereas the umpires it's very much relaxed and um try to stay sort of steady because we're just reacting upon what whatever's coming at us so um, we need to stay pretty calm because if you sort of upbeat you might go jumping at things so um yeah there's definitely that that different dynamic um but I think sort of being in and around clubs and being around footy for, for a long period of time has really helped me because um, I sort of understand a little bit what the players are going through and maybe when they're sort of sometimes venting towards us and, and, and those sorts of things, I understand, okay, well, this this is might be the reasons why and, and it helps sort of yeah, play off that. There's there's scrutiny on um, players talking back to umpires. There was some, there was a I think it was a call yesterday. Was it in your game? Or was it, it was a game yesterday that there was um, there was probably one that you like. Well, what did he say to make that that call turn into a fifty? And um, 
do you see that get, that's tightening up because people are getting more offended by it or do you see it tightening up because uh, maybe that's being brought down from the top? Yeah, I think um, especially with the the abuse side of things, um, a lot of the AFL umpires, we don't we don't take it to heart and it, it may not really affect us, but we do need to set an example for, for the local levels of footy and for um, suburban footy. Um, and it's sort of one of those ones where people go, oh, why do you have to do it? But um, when we get to the to the top level, as, as Dad said earlier, you sort of just have that, that white noise from the crowd. And But if um, people see it at AFL level and say, okay, well, you can, you can go and say that to an umpire. We've got um, big issues trying to get enough umpires for every game across the country. Um, and so that's where those sort of more demonstrative acts or the um, sort of really clear abuse free kicks, that, that's why they come in. Now we've spoken about yeah your your transition from playing to coach uh, playing to uh, umpire. Now Terry, talk a little bit about um, your career and your your career path uh, going from playing to coaching um, in the nineties. Was it um, yep. back then? Yeah. So what was what was that sort of transition like for you? Did you always know you wanted to be a coach while you were playing? Uh, not really. I sort of got thrown into it to a uh, to a degree. My um, Probably my preference in the early stages was to go into sport management, so yep. the other side of it. Uh, there wasn't as many roles open back then as, as what there is now, but let's call it head of footy was where I was probably originally starting to go. So uh, my background, I come through the time where you played and coached, uh, played and coached or, or, or played and worked yep. at, the, uh, at the same time. And uh, so... From my point of view, I was working in sales. Uh, I worked at GDV9 in Richmond with Sky Channel. So I was head of uh, sales for Sky Channel while I was my last couple of years of playing. So you're sort of flipping between the uh, between the two. So once I finished playing, I got into um, a coaching role at Reserves because that was basically all that was there back in those days was head coach, assistant coach, and head simple, of, and simple head of, back and then, head of yeah. footy, and that was basically yeah. it. So, so when I finished, um, I got an opportunity to be an assistant coach, and I still worked at Sky Channel. But then I got asked to go full time uh, with the Bulldogs, which was full time um, head of footy. Yep. Um, so that opportunity presented itself. So I flipped from working at Sky Channel to going head of footy, but. Um, Alan Joyce was the coach at the time. He only lasted for about half the season. Mm-hmm. And I was there as head of football, obviously, and played with the club and played premierships with the Hawks. So they put me and anointed me as the uh, the interim coach, which is yeah. all, all, they, uh, all of the go at the moment. Now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I got the interim uh, coaching gig then and ended up uh, with the role the next year. So, um, so I sort of... I mean, I fell into it to uh, to a degree, and uh, yeah, probably if I had had my way, it would have ended up going down the, the sport management yeah. role more so. Now, I heard from someone during the week. You might remember this name, Ron Bonjetti. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, so I heard during the week that you might have been a pioneer and way ahead of your time. Apparently, you used to go into his office. He had an office and a whiteboard up there, and 
used to talk to me, obviously had a basketball background and used to talk about the rolling zones and playing in front of, so teams had to go through 18 players on the field and that kind of thing. So that was well before now. It's Man, that's the whole craze about AFL footy and that. So what were you trying to implement back then in well, terms of that? Yeah, I suppose all that had happened for 100 years in the game is no one had challenged how the game was played. I yep. mean, it was, you know, full-back line, half-back line, centre line, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Everyone played their positions. Um uh, we kicked from contest to contest, and that was just it. Now, if you had the best side, that's great. Leave it alone. Don't do anything because you're the best side. And and the way it was played then, usually, it was the best natural um, talent ball winners and talent yep. won the premiership each and every year. If you didn't have the best side, my thoughts was well, we've got to challenge convention and start to look at. Well, how can we do things marginally different? Uh, how can we be setting screens to release our forwards? Uh, how can we be pushing back and perhaps playing more of a zone defence than just the complete man-on-mans and just try to trick it up a little bit? And the Bulldogs were great. Now, when I first got there, it was fascinating. 15, 10, 15 years later, I went to Richmond and because Richmond were in trouble financially then, I got no opportunity to go overseas, do things, where back in the 90s I was doing that with the with the dogs. So, I mean, we got the – that's where I went overseas and we first uh, – were the first club to start warming up on ground. Yep. Um, only just for the fact that uh, I went to a couple of the NFL games and I was down in Jacksonville with the, the Guars down there. Uh, I'm standing on the ground going – why don't we? Why do we uh, warm up in this little room, trying to kick the ball five meters, running up and down on the spot where these guys are getting out? And we wonder why we're pinging hammies yep. at the start of games, and yeah, you know, we want the bloke to run out first up, lace out, and either kick it beautifully or, or take it in front of his hands. But we don't do it beforehand, so uh, we started uh, you know, just experimenting with all those sort of uh, all those sort of little things, and all of them are. People sort of were a bit, what are they doing? All of them are one percenters, but you put four or five different things that you bring back and all of a sudden you're five or ten percent advanced on, on where others are and you can get a win. And I can remember when we started the pre, uh, pre-game warm-ups, you know, some of the other coaches are going, oh, they're show ponies, you know, just what are they doing? And uh, we jumped that season and I think we were eight and two at the start of the year, by the end of the year, every single other club <laughs> was doing it. And yep. by grand final day, and, you know, everyone You was were just the early grand... adopter of that. Yeah, well, just, just well, <laughs> I pinched it from somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, all good things you could steal. It's just a matter of having a look, getting out, scoping what's, what's available. But I think from the year 2000 was the big change because what happened was the coaches started becoming full-time rather than part-time so they had more time to look at things and i can remember going up to the 2000 olympics and yeah all the coaches then were starting to go and have a look at hockey go and have a look at soccer and basketball and sort of seeing all the transition games and how they were setting up completely different Different, to what we were doing as i said some of my nfl trips yeah i'd go with their coaches and sort of say we got 18 men on the field, you as defensive uh, coaches, how would you structure it up? A- and they would sort of set up without the knowledge of our game. Yeah. You know, we watch video, but and just allow them to give us a different 
concept. Now, sometimes you go away and go, <laughs> and other times you go, oh, we can probably pinch a little bit of that and put it in to what we're doing. So the, the game just completely opened up from knowing have it, nobody having the time to do that. You know, like my premiership coach, uh, the late Alan Jeans, yep. he was senior sergeant in the police force. So, I mean, he's working in the police force mm. all day and then just coming down like all of us at the end of the night doing a, an hour and a half training where you basically just doing circle work or nothing that actually was game you didn't really have you didn't have time related. yeah you didn't have time, didn't to, have time to think about yeah. it or plan it or yeah. do any of that so yeah so it changed when when it went full time now brent did you used to wake up in the morning come downstairs in the lounge room and it was just circles and arrows and <laughs> photos and videos everywhere uh, <laughs> not 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 quite but uh yeah you'd always sort of um, I mean, f- from my side of things, I always would try to get down to the clubs as much as possible. I was that little kid that always, uh, and I'm sure you've seen the kids in and around the club now, but uh, I was always hanging around and um, whether it was just standing by the side of the gym or or trying to get into a team meeting just to see what was happening, I was, uh, yeah, I was always trying to hang around it. Any players that you remember that? Bullied you around a bit, or, <laughs> or gave you a hard time running around the club. You'd have some good stories. Yeah, no, they, they there was never uh, never anyone that was sort of tr- trying to bully me around too much. But I think that's probably because you wanted <laughs> to make sure wanted <laughs> to make sure you looked after. Um, I know I used to have uh, I used to have Paul Dimatina's number on the back of my uh, of my jumper, and he was sort of in and out of the team. So I, I like to. I like to think that I sort of helped him on his on his way <laughs> <laughs> across that time, but um, yeah, I mean, I I just used to used to hang out and probably more so at Richmond when you're sort of coming through your teen years that the the guys used to used to test you out a little bit more. And um, I played in a played in a practice match um, with Richmond where sort of looking at looking at the board of where I was lining up and uh, Jake King came across to me and sort of pointed. He goes, oh, "I see that person in the white team, and it was his name. And I see that person in in the in the black team. Yep, yeah, that's my name." He goes, "If you go near that name, I'll knock you out." <laughs> <laughs> and as, as a 16, 17 year old kid, I'm like, "Yeah, okay." And then as soon as I walked away, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to get knocked out by Jake King." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Now, Terry, like obviously. As you said, the, the, the AFL got more professional as the years went on. Did you always want to be a family club where you had your kids there and other players could bring in their kids? And obviously it's a little bit different now, but I reckon, you reckon it's sort of turned back towards family now. Yeah. But I reckon early in my career it wasn't, uh, wasn't like that. So did you always want to have Brent around in the rooms and players' kids around? Yeah, very much so. And uh, we probably were a little bit luckier because we played our games with the Tigers in particular at the MCG. So you had Punt Road right next door so we used to go back into the gym and have entertain all the families kids everyone running around there straight after games so it wasn't so sort of corporate yep. you know it was it's just easier just open up the gym let them run let them run right so you know sort of always had the feel for uh for that being the case but it's funny i mean when i was at the bulldogs we had a winning environment even though we didn't win one but we were, you, know, you went to most games mm. expecting you'd win, uh, played in finals most of the time. So there is a different environment when it's up and you'd understand that. Yeah. You know, the times when you're going in and it's a losing environment and everyone's sort of looking over their shoulders, and it, it just makes it more difficult for it to be quite as inclusive. Yes. Yes. And that, I mean, you've almost got to try harder yes. in those times, but it is much more difficult. So I, I found the whole Richmond 
experience and a, a much bigger club. Bulldogs was easy. Yep. Was, everyone knew everyone at the Doggies and uh, to me, uh, Hawthorne was known as the family club but I've always felt that the Bulldogs was a real inclusive family club because it just was like a local footy club where, where Richmond, much bigger and a much more losing environment at, at the time so that was a lot more difficult. Speaking of the losing environments, a lot of coaches uh, getting the sack this season and the interim, and you've been through that side too, where you know mid mid to late season, and probably was late season. Well, yeah. maybe this time was it this yeah, time? Yeah, of it was about yeah. no, it was about round twelve or thirteen, I think. My yeah, yeah. my exit. Your, yeah, your <laughs> exit. So from from that transition to going from being you know that thinking about one week at a time and next thing's happening and then all of a sudden not how what was that transition like yeah well it's interesting because i've probably seen nearly all three of them so i mid-season i went in as an interim coach um mid-season i went out as the senior <laughs> coach and uh, the other one was that obviously with the bulldogs i was in the brad scott position where i left the bulldogs expecting that there was going to be a job open and all of a sudden the interim coach, which was Rusey, started doing a really great job and the, and the players and supporters sort of got behind him and you were watching from the outside, so I say, slipping away a little bit. <laughs> so, so I suppose I've, I've sort of seen it from all of those sides. Uh, um, the difficulty, uh, the one that's the, the most difficult is the sacked coach mm-hmm. and for me, I, I knew because it was my second job, um, once I finished on the Friday night, I think it was, let's call it round 12, the Friday night of round 12, I knew that was the end of my coaching stint. Um, so what you do after that is a very, it's very awkward because you go from all-encompassing 24-7 to the next morning going, I've got the rest of my life to live and, and footy's still going on and you're not a part of footy and most coaches go away. Uh, at that stage but it was for Brad it was his year 12 mm. so he's trying to get drafted um, going through year 12 trying to do what he's doing there he's captaining uh, the carry the school team yep. uh, if I just sort of say oh I've had a hard time we're all packing up and going to Bali well, I'm not doing my job as a as a dad either sort of mm. thing so I was sort of locked into no I've got to stay stay around um it does impact you. I mean, I so much so that didn't really didn't want to leave the house because yep. um, you've been under the pump virtually. Well, because we lost our first four games, so it, it was dead man walking at round four, and you go through another two months of just being in the paper, having you know the microphones in your face all the time. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really difficult time, and made even more awkward when you finished and just trying to find out what you're going to do next. And it was interesting. I'd done a lot in the media. So my initial reaction was, well, clearly I'll go back into the media when I'm finished because I'd written for the Herald Sun. I'd sat on the couch. Um, So I'd sort of broad brushed a lot of um, what was going on through the media areas. But what I hadn't factored in was so bad were our losses and – uh, the perception of yourself as a coach, you're now seen as a failure. So not one media door opened up for me to go back into the media because they say, well, no, what do we want him for? I mean, how's he going to tell us anything because he failed? Well, 
you didn't fail the whole journey, you actually just failed your last little bit. If that had been in the middle of your journey, no one would even care exactly. about that. But because it was the last part of your journey, um, I, just the doors didn't open. And it was really an awkward time for three months about what what is going to come next. Do I go back corporately? But I'd been out of the corporate scene for 12, 15 years. Yep. So, so all the people that I sort of knew were almost retired from that point of view. My bosses and people that were around at the time had all sort of moved on. So, yeah, it, it took a bit of manoeuvring. Um, but you just got to reinvent yourself. I mean, it's it's like anything. I I think the biggest thing in any industry is resilience. And yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're a player, it doesn't matter whether you're corporate-wise, doesn't matter coaching-wise. You just got to be resilient and just got to keep knocking on doors and keep working out what you're going to do. And probably what worked for me eventually was I went, what part isn't, isn't being uh, utilised in the media? I went, list management. Yeah. And... Uh, I self-named myself the list manager <laughs> and uh, did that cop a little bit on social media in the early days. Uh, list manager, what you did to Richmond. <laughs> I could have used a couple of other names for, uh, for what I was. But my whole point was just what I'm going to now concentrate yep. on is spending my time reviewing, analysing lists and seeing where it goes. And at first it didn't go anywhere much at all but all of a sudden I started doing a body of work and then got a couple of opportunities um, uh, Hutchie opened the door to go on Future Stars uh, people like in, in the media were sort of going well Collingwood's not going very good at the moment who can we get to analyse what's gone wrong oh, this is what Terry's doing oh can you just do an article for us so it just was dribs and drabs in the original stages but it, it just opened up a complete other door, which now I've done for sort of a decade, and that's opened up other doors again. So you just got to keep at it. Yeah. Um, now I want to backtrack a little bit because you spoke about how hard it was during the time for you and the, and the family and stuff. And this was before social media even happened. And you were in year 12. Uh, I couldn't even imagine what would happen now a days, like kids going through it um, with, their, with their parents going through such a big name in the AFL, that happening to it. How, how did you cope? During that time, did obviously all your mates would know what's happening, um, people you play footy against, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was it was pre pre social media, uh, but it yeah. still would have influenced you quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I suppose from from my side of things is that um, everyone sees sees something different and goes, "Oh, how how did you deal with it?" But that's just what we knew. Yep. Um, was that that's how that's how life was, and, and that's what that's what we did. So. Um, I suppose my big focus was just making sure that the dad was all right and the rest of the family members were okay. So that was my my big role. I remember um, in dad's last week at at Richmond, sort of sitting up most nights to one two in the morning with him and maybe a couple of the assistant coaches that were coming through at the time and um, just having a, a chat and just being there to sort of support each other and and to go through that and then waking up the next day and going to school and, <laughs> and, and trying to make sure that I'm sort of doing it as, as, um, as well as I could there. But um, it's it just – that's just what it was and um, I didn't know any difference. So it's just making sure I supported everyone as best as possible. I always said one thing to them uh, when I went back into coaching. I sort of said I can guarantee you during school life that one of two things is going to happen. If we're winning and going really well – Everyone will say your old man's a genius, <laughs> and if we're losing and going really, what, uh, really badly, they'll say he's an absolute drop kick. I sort of said, 
neither's correct. Yep. I mean, it, it lies somewhere in the middle and always remember yeah. that, no matter which end it's at. You're never as high as what you are no, and you're never as low. No, yeah. it, it just lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I'm trying to sort of keep things at least a little bit balanced off like that. Except yeah. for the fact that you're an AFL Hall of Famer. So there's, <laughs> you, do you always look – do you now look back and go, well, sorry, Tigers, but you might have got that one a little bit wrong. <laughs> um, of the time well, you got as well, maybe not the length that you probably deserved. could have had the board that Dimmer had a couple of years ago and kept him on and won a flag. You never know. 2011 yeah. or 12, you could have won a flag. No, look, I, I'm comfortable with my lot. As I said, um, of the journey, nearly every part of the journey went well except for the last part. Now, yep. if that had happened 15 years earlier, you wouldn't have even blinked. Mm. It's only when it's the last bit. Sort of, it's a bit frustrating because everyone wants the happy ending, but not everyone gets the happy ending, and particularly coaching. Well, you're a victim of the moment, aren't you? It's, yeah. It happens right on, so that's the thing that people remember. But I, I always sit there and go, what I'm comfortable with with both of my coaching stints is when I left the Bulldogs, I left them with a young Bob Murphy, a young Brian Lake, a young Gene Syracuse, uh, a young Lindsay Gilby. Those guys all went on. Uh, Boydie yep. was there, yep. you know, as an 18, 19-year-old at the time. All those guys went on to play prelim finals together. Mm-hmm. When I left Richmond, it was a, a young Rance, uh, a young Cochin, a young Rewalt, a young Edwards. Uh, uh, Dusty was the end of my year. he came come to the club, yep. so... That group went on. Now, I didn't have either of them when they were at their peaks, yeah. but at least, in my belief, we left the next coach with a better lot you know, and a chance, even though it was still, for both of them, it was still probably three, four, five, six years down the track. Yep. But at least they had good young talent to actually sort of go on with. So I could sit back and see that and sort of be comfortable with that side of it, yeah, helping out things like we went to America to uh, to help design uh, the new putt road facilities. Well, that was all done in our time. We went to um, to Canberra to get the funding yep. for the for the facilities all around uh, the indigenous culture and and learning facility that was going to become part of that. So they're all things. All the coaches, you might have failed as in win-loss in your time, but there's so much else that actually goes on and surrounds it. So, yeah, I'm comfortable. Am I comfortable with my win-loss at Richmond? Absolutely not. But am I comfortable that, well, we might have put the place in a better spot to go forward? I'm totally comfortable with that. Yeah. From the outside looking into, uh, you know, the the average person who watches footy, they don't really get an insight into, uh, you know, what a player, you know, is really like, and especially these days. I mean, social media is helping a lot, but uh, in your day, and then also once you're coaching as well, you know, what what is Terry really like? And I think uh, an insight that I wanted to share, which if you remember this, um, where we used to obviously uh, play in the street a lot, but I, growing up, I did a lot of media and filming and all that sort of stuff, uh, which kind of led to what I'm doing here and the what I think one day we might have been shooting something out in the street for school I reckon it would might or might maybe early day uni and I remember Brent uh came up and said oh dad wants to have a meeting with you and I said okay I don't think I'd ever had a meeting in my life (laughs) (laughs) and so I've come over and sat down by the pool at your house and you know, it's just the two of us and he said what do you want to do what do you want to do with uh what with your filming and where you want to go and I said, look, I don't really know yet. I love footy, love love filming. And he said, well, edit me something. 
edit me up a, a clip of, of some uh, highlights. So I went back home and got all excited and got all this footage together and cut it up to Coldplay, Speed of Sound, of course. <laughs> Great tune. <laughs> Why would Classic. <laughs> um, came back and sat down and watched it with you in your, in your theatre room and we, we sat down together and you, you were silent for two and a half minutes and watched it and then said, all right, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to some people for you, which is unbelievable to think like a, you know, ex-AFL player, a current coach at the time, you were coaching uh, well into your um, time at Richmond and um, it, to – to do that not needing to whatsoever is, in my eyes, amazing. And I don't think people see that side of players and coaches and stuff like that. But then that led me to work at the club with you. Yep. Um, so thank you, first of all, for that. <laughs> my, my pleasure. <laughs> it was a, it was a great <laughs> it's, good to say, it's good to say you've come a long <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> um, but it, what, one thing that I learned from my time, because I got to uh, – I had the privilege of being three seasons in the coach's box. Um, and it's a, it's a very sort of sacred place, the coach's box. Um, one thing that I learned right, – It's a crazy place. Cra- yeah, it is yeah, a crazy yeah, place. And the level yes. of – it is an ins- ins- insane world to be in. And two things that I learned actually from you uh, is that – two things you hate one was uh if the player tried to kick it to the goal line or to for goal (laughs) had a shot for goal goal, and kicked it to the goal line instead of setting it right up you hated that if the ball got punched through you were on the phone on the blower immediately am i right i had a a theory Uh, this was my theory yep don't be telling me you think you can kick it you can either kick it five metres through yep. or you set it up. Or 30 centimetres past. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> well, that's, the thing, though. that's the funny thing. I remember you it's blasting someone who just got it across the line, even though they kicked the goal because you knew they, you didn't have the distance. You got lucky <laughs> this time. So that was one thing. Yeah, there was a midget on the goal line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's one thing that you hated. The second thing you hated was a – which I'm, and I'm assuming all coaches probably hate this one – is a goal from a defensive stoppage. Uh, and – is that that's correct? Still, and and yeah. t- watching today, do you still see that and get frustrated? I analyze. I, I still sit there, even like not when I'm working in the media. If I'm sitting at home, I'll actually I, I still got a habit of stopping the thing, which drives everyone crazy. <laughs> drives because so you can't just watch it because yeah. they're watching it live. Oh, even with people. Okay, yeah, yeah so they're watching it live, and I'll go no, no, no. Go back, watch this, and have a look where he wraps around there <laughs> and gets himself free. What was this guy like? So you still got that little bit of coaching. You can't in. just watch a game of footy. I'll, yeah. I'll sit. No, I'll, it's, I'll sit. it's actually sad, isn't it? <laughs> we'll sit. We'll sit there. And be like, we just want to watch the game. Yeah. Just like, let us, just let us. Watch. No, 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 no. I'm just. We're seventeen minutes behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, you, if you say he should be wrapping around the back here rather than. Well, that brings me to my point. I part of my uh, role in the coaches box was to control that screen that was sitting in front of you. Uh, I don't even know if you knew that that was my job at the time, <laughs> but um, I, I used to do that for the, the screens that were either going down to the clubs uh, to the players at the quarter time breaks, and I also. Used to do it to the, the TV that was on the uh, on the bench and then your screen too. Now, back then, the technology wasn't ideal. Uh, probably now, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, it was as simple as me rewinding the current footage that was on the screen, uh, that the Channel 7 footage, and then playing it back. And I remember there was a defensive go- a goal from a defensive stoppage and you'd uh, gone off. It was it was it was on for young and old at this point, and you and you wanted to know whose fault it was. It was your number one thing. So that's my job. All right, I know I've got to find this stoppage now. In the moment, I saw this defensive uh, stoppage happen, and Channel Seven had cut to something else. So I had lost. Uh, the, there was no footage in that moment in time. So as soon as the goal got kicked, 
I knew it was coming. Where, where's the re, where's the replay? I want the replay. And I'm up the back of the box going, I'll, let's just wait until <laughs> a couple of seconds. Hopefully the TV coverage will show it. And a couple of seconds went by, nothing. A couple of seconds went by and David King's in front of me, turns around and has a look. I was like, where's the footage? Where's the replay? And then you've gone, where's the replay? <laughs> With maybe a few other... Exp- uh, I didn't... Uh, I was probably the most nervous I've ever been <laughs> in any job I've ever had. And it wasn't my fault. I just want to put it out there now. You didn't so want you know, to talk up, did you? You didn't want to say anything. I wasn't going to say a word. I just hoped that it would fix itself. <laughs> well, and I don't think it ever went uh, ahead. I think someone else uh, found out who it was and you found out pretty quick. And then it was there. Uh, it was their fault rather than being my <laughs> fault, which I'm happy. <laughs> and now that's why you don't need runners because all us crazy coaches do is go out and stress the bloke exactly. out during the game <laughs> yeah. rather than worrying about it after the game. <laughs> Can't do anything about it then. Well, it's it's now um, I've been in the coach's box early in the year. It's, it's there's a screen that has live and there's a screen that has about a 10 second delay. Yeah. So the coaches right. can quickly look at that. And I wouldn't have had to run it on. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you exactly don't have to rewind anymore. It runs on a 10 second I delay. Been, I would have been stressed out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of uh, coach's box being that sacred place, I do remember though at some occasions there might be, you know, some a random person in the back of the box or a famous person in the back of the box, which I, sometimes I assume was might have been a charity event or someone might Correct. have won. Yep. But was there any anyone ever anyone who wanted to be in the box and you said, yeah, all right, you're a famous person or anyone special that came into the coach's box and you had to think in my mind, I better not drop an drop an f bomb or uh, <laughs> say anything I shouldn't say. Not particularly. I mean, we had a few people come in. Famous infamy or famous both ways, but uh, probably the one that I remember best up was somebody come in. They'd won a corporate raffle or something like that, and uh, they come into the box and started giving their suggestions. No, no. I've watched it happen, and uh, it was against the bombers (laughs) at one time, and it was like this bloke's on. Aren't you going to put anyone on James Heard? You just uh, let James Heard run around by himself. <laughs> and I first up, I sort of just turned around and looked at him and uh, rolled my eyes. And then he, uh, then he sort of said something else <laughs> and uh, about James Heard being, you're going to lose the game. You just let James Heard run around wow. free. And I've basically turned around and told him where to go but um and that james is a reasonably good player <laughs> that is getting free off his own volition yes. because he reads the game better than anyone else and then got my footy manager just to shuffle this yeah. bloke <laughs> <laughs> into the box next door with the stats boys but uh did you go straight to commercial department that week and said no more people in correct. the box yeah. correct. that correct. story got told every time there was a guest in the box that person got told that story every <laughs> single time there was a guest in the box. So they knew to shut their mouth. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I so, still remember it. You still <laughs> so you've done playing, coaching, media. Do you want to do anything else in life? Like what's next for, for you? Reti- retirement. retirement? Um, yeah. I've actually uh, decided uh, to retire next at the end of next year. Yep. So that'll be my last year involved with the media. I just don't want to get to the stage I want to have remained relevant. My relevancy nowadays is probably that I watch all nine games every week. Um, So we're doing this podcast on a Monday. Uh, This morning was watching your game because I I did the Sydney game. Yep. Um, So I flew back while your game was on um, yesterday. So I I catch up my games on a a Monday morning. I've balanced out my week to be able to do that. So, So when I go to work in my different media outlets, if someone rings me and sort of says, what about the goal line review or I've got it all covered, yep. um, 
But there's other things. I've never been to Europe in a European summer. Yeah. Um, so me and my wife are both retiring at the end of... Loves the sun. The end of next year. And so... Um, we avoided the Sully question. This yeah, that will be uh, that'll be a, 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 you know, a new part of the journey. It'll be yep. an interesting one because since I've been eighteen, uh, I've been involved in the game mm. for every year since I've been eighteen. So yeah, some other just other things I want to do outside. Lovely. Uh, and now just on you, Brent. Um, what advice would you give a young kid uh, who's a who's a player, maybe thinking about umpire and just wanting to get into that side of the game, explore it? What would something that you would love to have heard or that you did hear? I mean, you spoke a little bit about it before you spoke to Bano. What what's some advice you'd give give someone? There's probably two things that I would I'd say is have a have a chat with someone that's umpired and just have an understanding of sort of what the what the pathway might be or how you could go about it. But also just go and umpire a game. I actually didn't think it was going to be as enjoyable as what it was yep. um I, I really enjoyed going into it and, and um have loved it ever since so um go out there do a couple of games even if it's local footy and you'll you'll know pretty quickly if you if you like it or not awesome just a, a few uh quick fire questions i've got for david about you two Ooh, which okay. i found was interesting i thought that it would be interesting to do a comparison and say if see if dave knows if this is for if this is for Brent or if this is for Terry. Uh, I didn't even okay. know this. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And some of these we might have already brought up. So it might be a bit easy for you, but let's yeah. see. All right. Um, who has appeared 36 times on the MCG? Uh, oh, I mean, you have to say. Oh, actually, you would have played, what, in the 80s? And then we played local grounds, not moving much to the G. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say Terry, yeah. You're right. I thought I might have tripped you yeah. on that one because I thought 36. I was like trying I to thought, count my own one. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I've got 36. This yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So who used to go? Uh, who used to go better in the Tigers tri- time trial? <laughs> Terry or Brent in the well, in the Richmond Tigers time trial? Well, we spoke about this. So you you <laughs> beat everybody. So just clarify. So it was every player bar three, three. on your list yep. that you beat two. Okay. Two. Okay. So my That's question, what I thought. So you had a really fit son or you had an unfit list. Well, at the time. Can I just say one thing on that very quickly? I can remember going for a run when he was about 15 and we'd got up for a game of tennis and we sort of said, oh, we'll run back. I go, yeah, no worries. I've got to cover the 3K run. And he's beat me by 700 metres. And, uh, and I've gone, how bad have I got? <laughs> Is that the moment as a dad where you just yeah? Oh yeah, shattered, and I'll yeah. never never race him again. <laughs> and uh, but I felt a lot better when we went down to the town with the boys, and he come second or third. I thought, sure, I'm not going as bad yeah, as you remember that thought, moment. So, yeah, correct. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right, last one. Brent or Terry involved in a VFL grand final? Ooh, Terry. Both. You umpired a VFL Both. grand final. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, so I did yeah, VFL grand final before uh, getting onto the AFL list. Ooh, okay, all right, got that wrong. There you go. There you go, all right. Brent versus Terry. So two out of three. Two out of three. Brent, just a quick one. Uh, do, you, do you guys get memos before the game about uh, stuff that might have happened that week? Obviously, during the week, you spoke about how much you would uh, prepare for that week that you're about to umpire. But... Something like yesterday's game where Dave kicks a goal uh, that wasn't counted. The day before that happened and an umpire did stop the game and they had to ball it up because they were wrong. Do you guys know about that or are aware of it and then therefore 
change a decision in that moment do you think uh so so we don't really necessarily change sort of decisions moment to moment but um we quite regularly sort of if we see something on the friday especially the friday night footy um if we're watching the game we'll shoot a, a message to our coaches and be like hey was that holding the ball or should have it been been this um and then if there's anything that's sort of come up a couple of times throughout the weekend we'll usually have sort of a head coach ring us and and say hey this is this has popped up a couple of times just be aware of it so yeah there's there's definitely um a couple of times where we sort of just make sure that we're mindful of of different sort of tactics that are being used um so that we sort of pull the right rein on on game day but i guess that they and they people always uh, criticize the rule of the week but i guess in 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 theory it's really actually just to try to improve anything that might have gone wrong Mm. Well, I mean, we, we get coached on on different aspects, and um, everyone says that there's there's a rule of the week, but we'd we'd get coached on eight to ten different decisions in which we make throughout a week every week. So, um, so if there's there might be some sort of um, realigning to make sure that we are correct, but um, yeah, there's definitely no. But which you don't no understand, Zach, you'd understand it, Zach, because what happens is. There, then you might over adjust, mm, which exactly. which happens, and so same sort of thing. If they didn't believe they were tight enough on a particular interpretation, so therefore you train it. Sometimes it, then you overcorrect, yes, and you're too tight on that yes. same interpretation. So it's just getting that balance right. Yeah, and you understand as a player, AFL is so hard of a game to one play two coach and three then umpire it, there's it's not a black and white game it's a, it's an interpretation game where is that hole in the ball is that high did he contribute to it like and you can understand as a player yeah you get frustrated on the field for an umpire but then you you sit back and go well mate it's hard enough to play i wouldn't imagine how hard it is to umpire because of that uh interpretation that you have to make every week it's as i said you don't have a, a rule book where you go all right that's that's that i have to interpret whether i think that is a free kick and that and that's that's the uniqueness of the game that's that's why people love the game but it's also that's why it's so hard and i mean and we keep bringing in new rules every year or new interpretations and we've got to keep it up with those players and then you've got to umpire it and it's it's hard it's difficult i don't know i don't know where it's going to keep going and where it's going to get to but uh it, you do you do respect them um because it's just it's so hard to just think about that and have to make that call in a split second decision yeah i mean i've been on the list for this is my fifth year and i don't think we've gone into a season yet where there hasn't been some sort of change mm. so yeah we're always adjusting and always adapting and um we're always asking sort of the powers to be a number of questions that maybe they haven't even sort of thought about yet yeah um trying to get as much as possible so um yeah we we get to sometimes the first couple of games and we're still waiting to see how it might play out before uh and that's why the jlt's um as a as a series it actually helps us because we can actually see some of those things go out and be sort of embedded in the game before yeah, going on yep all right guys well it's been an absolute pleasure having you both in i hope you've uh you've enjoyed having a sit in a chat no, thank you hopefully we haven't been quite as controversial as some of you <laughs> <laughs> no i think this is quite a smooth chat today <laughs> we'll get much uh, negative feedback on this <laughs> unless you got to, unless you guys want to drop anything that we weren't ready for oh maybe tiger tiger supporters might give you a bit of grief but otherwise <laughs> <you're all right. laughs> That's but thank you so much for coming on Cheers, guys pleasure thanks guys well, mate, great chat. Wow. Uh, yeah. How good are some of the stories? I mean, it's just awesome to hear uh, just the different dynamic in the family. And I, I love the part that Terry was so raw about his time at Richmond and, and when it came to an end and uh, just sort of the impact it had on him. And I guess, and that's why I put the question to, to Brent about the social media and how it wasn't really around at the time. 
but if that that kind of thing happens now and in the last couple of years when coaches get yeah sort of sacked and and let go that the impact has on their family and and what sort of can happen to that and he's doing year 12 as, as a kid and you just got so many influences or so many people wanting to have an input around you and um yeah he was sort of i guess lucky in the sense that he didn't have that social media yeah. pressure around him but Imagine. i love the chat it was a, it was awesome great to hear from both of those guys um tune in next week um i'm gonna drop a name who have we got steph claire smith Steph Claire yeah, Smith, 1.2 million followers on Instagram. It might be more than that, actually. I should probably check, but I'll It'd check be before next more. week. Yeah. Um, but yes, massive influencer. She's from the Melbourne area, from near where we grew up, I think. So Big Essendon fan. Huge Essendon Huge fan. Huge Essendon fan. So I'm loving or looking forward to, to this chat. If, you, if you've got any questions uh, to throw Steph uh, for us this week, get on to us uh, at uh, pros and the cons on Instagram. Uh, send us a little DM or, or something, and or or comment on our on our recent post about this uh, this podcast, and uh, we'll hopefully get a chance to ask her. Yeah, can't wait to have a chat with her about social influencer life um, and and what she's up to. So. Just her business now, mate. mate. She grew a business from yeah from. Oh, I want to I want to ask her about it. But it was from Instagram or just the amount of business entity she's got. She's got an empire on. now. An empire, exactly. Unreal. Um, well, Looking can't forward wait, to mate. It. And uh, if you enjoyed it, give us some uh, nice love. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a share. 30 review, 30 ratings now. And plus, 30 plus. Yeah, 30 plus. A few ugly little ones. We'll we're ignore those. We're averaging at five <laughs> stars, mate. So yeah, it's we going are. well. Very, very high ratings. It's, um, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I hope you tune in next week. Mm. And but we will see you then. Yeah. yeah. We won't see you. You'll hear <laughs> us, though. <laughs> well, I, I just on that, I just want to say I love it. But I love us getting feedback, whether it's good, neutral, um, negative it's just great to be able to get some impact this is our fifth episode in now uh, we're constantly learning mate we're not we're not professional journalists or anything like that so we are learning uh, how to go about the podcast caper so if you do have any feedback uh, positive negative or neutral just give it to us and uh, we'll always always review it and, and try and get better mate because we are trying to build something here and uh, just keep letting people tell their stories we're going to whack those one star reviews back over your head though if we follow them our way I'll come at you we might do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now give us those five stars we might shout some five star reviews out next week I reckon perfect alright yep. if you leave us a good review we'll, uh, we'll read some out yeah, alright guys have a good week see you next time see you guys